Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Freckled Foodie and Friends, a podcast focused on making healthy living approachable, hosted by yours truly, Cameron Rogers. Hi, everyone. It's a Sunday night. I'm here at Samsung 837 with a very special out-of-towner, Sally Lou Loveman. Hi. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Well, I'm so happy to have you. I was recording a story on my way over, and I was like, it's a Sunday night. I just got home from a weekend away, and if you had told me two years ago that I had to work, I would have said, go fuck yourself. <laughs> and But now, as you know, that it's your own this thing. This isn't work. You know why it's not work, Cam? Because we love it. Because you love it. Yeah, yeah. I love it too. But the, it's not work because when you do what you love, it's effortless, and you are creating so much amazing content for Thank you. your platform that this is not work. No, I agree. You, and that's what I said. I'm like, but it's my business. It's your I business. I love it. And I'm happy to go do it. Exactly. And I was excited. I came back. Everyone was leaving. We were at Cedar Lakes this weekend. I know. And as we were leaving, everyone was like, oh, I want to get back before the scary hit. Is it good in every season? Yes. It's great in every season. Every season. There's no wrong season. So fall was more like winter when we were there. You know, it was four degrees warmer or four degrees colder today than on our wedding day. I You're looked. kidding me. No. Oh and we were shaking. And I was January. like, let's just see what the temperature is. Oh four degrees gosh. colder. But everyone was talking about their scaries and how they right. wanted to get home before they, so they could beat their scaries. Right, right. And I was like, yeah, I don't have those anymore. You know why? Because <laughs> we're doing what we love. Yeah, but there's something more. What? You're in your purpose. Oh, right. And fear I has no that. access when you're in your purpose. Yes. You literally, if anyone is scared of something, if you're in your purpose while you're doing that something, mm-hmm. You cut you cut fear off, which is why you write when you fly. Exactly. See, I read. Yeah. Oh, you read my book, right? I haven't You're finished reading it yet. my book. So yeah. let's dive in. I'm going to give a little bit of background on you, okay? And then we'll kick it off. Um, so Sally was my aunt. She is my mother's sister. So you all are familiar with my diva mother, Cindy. <laughs> She's all over my stories. Someone wanted to do a day in the life of Cindy, which I really would love um, to do. I would love to live that life. I would love life. to live a day in the life. I mean, when she tells us where she is, we're like, what? all of us, we're like, why? We have this, well, we'll talk about yes. it, but this Oaks Women thread, uh, and uh, which is my maiden name. And so we're all Oaks Women. It's my and, middle name. And it's Cameron's middle name, exactly. And uh, we just want to live Cindy Linville's life every all day day long especially now that she's got like access to like boats it will she doesn't have <laughs> access to boats we rented a boat that's access anyone has ac- okay oh, whatever it's anyway, like we have a boat the boat thing really took it to a new level it was really awesome I'll tell you <laughs> that looked, much and uh, most families don't look like your family like well, no, you it's guys, her it, that's what I'm saying it's her okay she's fine the three of you are young and beautiful the way and anyone I dress looks good in a ba- bathing suit but like to see the three of you in that water and then her 
as the four of you, like she's freaking gorgeous. Yes. And has a body to, you know. I know. And you to, know, someone actually commented on my Instagram. What they I said. love your grandmother's pants. And I was like, it's my Wait, mom. Grandmother? That's awful. <laughs> she had a hat on. I didn't tell her. So sorry, mom. Now oh, she's going to know. Oh, but, God. I mean, people get a kick out of her in my stories because I'll always she, do like comparisons of how I dress versus her. And yes, I'm like a little boy yes, and she yes. looks like she's going to prom. Yes. yes. Um, yes. Well, she does. She, she's got the fashion thing down, which yes. she learned from her mother, my mother. Right. And Anna. the mothers before that, grandmothers. Um, which I write a lot about in, in my book, actually, about the fashion gene that's been uh, passed down. I think you got it too, Candy. No, but I you totally definitely not like the, I don't the, care. Yeah, but I, I didn't get it. Lucy but, has it. Lucy for sure has it. Because I think it's more You and Maddie like, don't care, but you always look amazing. What do you intri- – like, I talk about this with my therapist, actually, because I say to her sometimes, like, I feel less than with certain groups because mm-hmm. I'm not someone who cares. It's not something that I'm interested in. Right. I don't say – I don't care, like – it doesn't make your cool. heart sing. It's not inter- it's not interesting yes. for me. So yes. like I put my attention towards things like food and right. other things. Right. And but then I get places and I'm like, oh my God, everyone looks so fucking good. And like, why am I dressed like this? And my therapist Nana wants is, you to stop saying fuck. Does she? Sorry, it's not happening. <laughs> she doesn't listen to this. I don't know. She's always saying, Why does Cammy say fuck so much? Because she's around me. She does not listen to this. Anyway. If she does, I'll be surprised. Yeah. Anyway, back to our family. Sorry. So you are my mother's sister, yes. aunt, yes. very close friend, yes, um, and new first-time author. Is that the correct yes. first-time author? I am is a first-time new author. New yes. author. Okay, I've written a book. It is on Amazon. Therefore yes. I'm oh, published. don't worry. It'll be linked. It all no, up I know. Here. I'm just saying, like the fact that it is it is available for yes. people to purchase means I am. A published author, which is pretty That's cool. That's so cool. Yeah, did you cool. change your Instagram bio? I did. Well, that was the whole point. I hated saying that I was a motivational speaker because to me, I just don't like that term. Yes. Yeah. Do I speak and motivate people? Yes. So yes, I switched my, uh, my whatever, my title on Instagram and it really felt like pretty cool. Like I have I'm to say, sure. when I changed it from motivational speaker to author, Nothing wrong with motivational speaker. It just doesn't really describe me. I motivate people when I speak, but I hate the idea of motivational speaker because it just feels like someone's really pushing a message that others don't want to hear. Yeah. I don't know why. I get that. Um, author to me uh, is pretty freaking cool because it's something I've always wanted to do mm-hmm. and I did it. And so I that, that in and of itself was a moment for me when I switched it. And the title of your book – it is speak, love your story. Your audience is waiting. And I would think now you've peaked and reached this moment of the answer I'm about to ask you, but how would you define success? Oh, success is when you're, is when you're in your purpose for me, mm-hmm. is when you are happily waking up every morning knowing exactly what you want to do every day, not literally what you want to do, but what you just in your heart want to to make your mark. What what is your mark going to be today? So for me, my my whole purpose is connection with people. Mm-hmm. And so I have been weaned on that from our family, from yeah. my father and mother, especially my father, my sisters. Um and then that really pushed me to work for Oprah because it wasn't just 
that mm-hmm. I wanted to work for a television show, which I did because yeah. I figured that out at 14, which is another story. The but it was really the, the girl with a clipboard at Mike Douglas uh, show. Uh, but it was really about when I saw Papa, who we'll call him Papa because he's my dad, but you're Papa. Mm-hmm. Um, at the hospital, I would go on rounds with him every mm-hmm. once in a while, not often, on the weekends. And I felt like I was like traveling with a rock star. Because percent knew everyone's name, always by nickname, and everyone knew his name. And people, he couldn't get down the hall. Like that's probably why he worked so many hours because yeah. he had so many conversations with people. And he just always asked people, you know, how are you? How's your this, that, what, family members? How can he I help everything. you? He knew everything. And I knew in that moment that I wanted to do exactly what he was doing. But I also knew in that moment that I was not smart enough or brave enough to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. But I really wanted to impact people's lives. And so for me, looking back now at 58 years old, I, you know, I didn't see it then, obviously. But I look back and I say, Oh, it's my dad mm-hmm. who totally had me on that path to work for Oprah Winfrey. Now, the girl with the clipboard who I saw at 14 years old yes. in the television uh, set where my mother invited me to. So my mom plays a role in this, too, because she just invited me to a television taping. She doesn't remember how she got the tickets. I was going to ask that when I was reading. She doesn't remember how she got the tickets. Uh, I didn't ask to go. She asked me to go. And I skipped field hockey practice. Mm-hmm. I got in trouble. But that's when I my eyes landed on this girl. And I was like, well, what is she doing? She looks really busy. She's carrying a clipboard, which made her official. She's got a headset on, which makes her cool. And, mm-hmm. you know, just I was like, I want to do that. I didn't know what that was. And she was not an audience producer like I became. But she was probably an audio tech, an A2. I don't know. But she was a woman. It was 1976. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I want to do that because everything felt like home to me. I was like, mm-hmm. ah. and so I said yes to this invitation, which I'm a really big proponent of. Say yes to things from anyone who you know loves you or likes but you. But I'm kind of now a proponent of saying no say, sometimes. Okay, so there's a layer of that. <laughs> so I agree with you because you can't say yes to everything, which is what I found myself doing. But what I'm saying is, say yes to the people who love and like you, like your mother or mm-hmm. someone that really has your best interest. And especially if it's something that you don't want to do, that you're uncomfortable, like, oh, I don't want to do that. That is when whatever age you are and you go and you experience something new or you meet new people or you find a new community or Mm -hmm. a new passion. It could just change the trajectory of your story or your your career or your life. Not every – Invitation is a home run. I get that. And not every invitation should be accepted because time is valuable. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if someone really wants you to do something, I'll I'll tell you the example. I turned it around. I really wanted Nana, Cammie's grandmother, your grandmother, Mm -hmm. my mom, to come with me to see the Watching Oprah exhibit at the museum, at the Smithsonian when it was there. And and she kept saying no because she had to take a train by herself to Washington. We were meeting her there. Mm -hmm. And she finally said yes, because I tricked her, but whatever. She (laughs) finally said yes. And I can't tell you how much her yes meant to me to to have my 77-year-old mom with me while we saw the quote that I had on the wall about how we booked the audiences in the early Mm -hmm. days. And I'm in the Smithsonian. I'm like, what? Like, are you kidding me? And I wanted her to be there for it. 
it. So I chased her yes. I mm-hmm. I so not only do I love to remind people to accept invitations as long as it's, you know, time that you have time for. Uh, but also if you have an invitation for someone, let that person really know that it matters to you, that you really want them to be there and how much it means to you mm-hmm. to, for them to say yes. I am totally with you. I think yeah. I have a few points. I, when I first started this business, felt like I was getting a lot of asks in very different realms of the right. industry. So, you know, when I first quit, I was focused on meal prepping and then I was getting asked to do catering and I never wanted to be. So my whole thing right. was I was having a hard time because I was saying yes to everything. I was overwhelmed and right. I didn't feel like I was spending enough time doing what I wanted to do. Right. So the rule I made for myself, a very soft gray rule, was I'll say yes to everything that scares me once. If I notice after that moment, not because I'm afraid, but because it's just not where I see my business exactly. going and it wasn't worth my time, then I feel comfortable saying I no. I love, So love, every love catering now, I'm like, no, I'm sorry. Right. I did it once. You did it. And it, I mean, first of all, I don't have a commercial kitchen, so it's right. illegal. Right. Um, so yes, that. And right. it also makes me realize I'm kind of hoping my mom doesn't listen to this because <laughs> of the invitation. She is a jackhammer with like, you. would well, you want to come to yoga with me? You don't want to come to yoga with me? Come to yoga with me. Are you sure you don't want to come to yoga with me? I think you should come to yoga with me. Well, I'm not saying that but it's every the, time I get, get a saying, yoga invitation, now your life's going to change. And now I'm understanding where my mom gets – it's the, both where you're yeah. like, I tricked Nana. Like, oh, oh I, so this is what my mom does to oh, me. Do you want to know how I tricked her? Would you tell her that you were going to take her shopping? Oh, no. <laughs> No, that's, that she would have seen right through. I tricked her because another great story of mine, I left my toboggan in seventh grade at my friend Jimmy Leah Chorus's house. What? Okay, ready? Yes. I promise this won't go long. I left my toboggan in the seventh grade at his house, and I never got it back because I never went and got it, and I forgot about it. Mm-hmm. But years later, I remembered, oh, my God, I've left my toboggan. Years whatever. later, like when you're 15 or like 30? Like a college, okay? Okay. So it was always sort of a running joke with me and my mom, like I never got my toboggan back. And does everyone know what a toboggan a is, sled. by the way? A toboggan is a sled, yes, right? A really okay. long sled. Mm-hmm. Okay. So fast forward Many, many years. I'm 55, probably. I'm at the local gas station in the town we grew up in, where my mom still lives, Gladwin, Pennsylvania. Who is in from Greece but Jimmy Leocorus? And I looked at him. We're pumping gas. I'm like, Jimmy, how you doing? We were high school friends. He's like, hey, Sally Lou. I'm like, where's my toboggan? And he's like, oh, it's at my parents' house. They're moving. I'll drop it off to your mom's house. I was like, Really? I'm getting my toboggan back? He's like, absolutely. So Jimmy Lee, of course, brought the toboggan back. I was 55 or 56 years old. Then my mom, for weeks, months, years, said, when is this toboggan going to Chicago? Oh, so she, you asked, she brought it to Washington? No. Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. I was about to say, what so the hell? Where's when this we're in Washington, we had driven from Cleveland, whatever. Mitchell, my husband, had to drive home to Chicago and he, she didn't want to come because she didn't want to take the train home on Thanksgiving Sunday because it would be too busy. And Mitchell said at, of course, it was my idea. I, it could have been his too. Uh, we have to pick up that toboggan. So we have to drive you home because that toboggan has to come back Did to Chicago. Did you get the toboggan? Yes, it's in my garage. You have the oddest. I, I love know. you. But like this and the urns, which I still don't really understand the what happened. Story. I'm sorry. But, and like the way you got your website, like. Oh, yeah. Your world is just well, an, a 
accumulation of the wildest stories. Like last night, we're at Marie's Crisis at this amazing bar in in New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, Where that is that? Does uh, in the West Village, and it's uh, Broadway tunes. You would never go. Okay, um, it's Broadway <laughs> tunes. Nope, <laughs> and it's a sing along, and it's my literally yes. my happy place. And so I've gone a couple times with Marin and Carly, and last night we were there, and who walks in but my roommate from 1984 from Chicago, Henry Robin, and his husband, Bob, who are dear friends of mine, who I'm in touch with all the time, and I see. Um, but I wasn't going to see them this weekend because I was mm-hmm. in New York quick, and I'd be back in two weeks, and I was going to see them then. They walk in. I'm like, of all the places, like, they don't go to bars, okay? Yeah. They walk in because they're – and we almost didn't go. We just went there randomly before our dinner. Like, it just, like – how does this happen? The universe is well, the universe constantly in ways. I, I think. mean, I hope it does, but it, you know, then you can't explain it when it doesn't. But no, but I think just, anytime it doesn't, that there's something more to come from that situation. Yeah, like yeah. I don't believe that everything happens for a reason. I hate that saying because I think it would be really hard to swallow if, yeah. like, you lost a loved one and right. like, well, everything happens for a reason. Right. I would tell them right. to no. Right, you know, skedaddle. Right, but oh, that was, Nana would appreciate that. I, I honestly almost <laughs> obviously said I love, um, but I do think that with everything, there is an opportunity for a different outcome, of and you're in control of what happens of and why that thing right. prior Listen, led I'm you on struggling. that path. I'm struggling with. Uh, some news and 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 you say oh well my book is about you know love your story well well you can't love your story when you lose a loved one or you have yeah. something horrific happen and it's really hard um but out of the ashes we all know comes hope and mm-hmm. grace and beautiful things even at the lowest lowest horrible point of your life there will always be beauty in whatever mm-hmm. happens. So you're in the struggle. You can't love your story when you're in the struggle. It's really hard. Very hard. But I, you know, I do write about that. I mean, I, I, I don't need anyone to have any violins out for me, but I've been through some stuff and my marriage and family and stuff. And I, I just really believe that the more we share who we are mm-hmm. and our stories, people have no idea the impact that they can make on another person's life. Like they have no idea. That's why I say like your audience is waiting. You don't have to be a professional speaker to speak. You have a story. You, everybody has a story. It is their story and it's theirs to own and is theirs to talk about. Mm -hmm. Of course, with the people who, you know, deserve to hear it. It's not like you have to be on a, on, you know, outside publicly announcing everything in your life, but there are people that really can benefit. And I learned that obviously by having a front row to the stories that were told on the Oprah Winfrey show, which changed the world, literally changed the world. And I think something that you're doing that I I would like to think I'm also doing by sharing my story. You are. I do struggle sometimes. Yes, it's my story. I have my story to own and I love sharing it with everyone. And I love sharing every detail of my life, the highs, the lows, in-betweens. Anything that is mine to share, I willingly share. I obviously struggle sometimes with drawing the line of – I say this a lot, but like if something's happening in Joe's life that's obviously impacting me, but it's his story, that's more off limits. Fair. Totally. But I do think – sometimes I struggle with like, well, who the – you're going to yell at me for this, but like (laughs) who really – who cares to listen to my story? It's like it's that imposter syndrome yeah. Yeah. of like, well, well, who am I to well, right. tell people? Lo- there's a lot of eye rollers out there. Look, everybody's got a platform. Everyone has their content. Um, 
not everybody, but everybody could for those of us who want to, for people like you and me who are storytellers, who are out there talking, that there are people that won't want to listen to a word I say or you say, Mm -hmm. but then there are so many that will. Right, and And that's the people we need to focus on. A really big thing is, is for me, um, I always believe that it doesn't matter the size of your audience. It just matters that they've they've uh they've appeared or they've gathered mm-hmm. to listen to you and to me that's like i could get all religious on you but that's like god's work to me like if for some reason someone showed up and they're listening to me there's a reason you know they're they're showing up for so many reasons that no there's not purpose just, in everything yeah, I agree. it's not just like oh i'm gonna go see her and then something happens and they, they meet somebody and then something happens and mm-hmm. like these stories that just just constantly I don't know it any other way. It's always been that way for me. There's always me been too. like, oh, that connection. Oh, yeah. I and also now think you're we're big connectors, and- our family. Yeah. yeah. My friends are always joking. Yeah. You know everyone. Right. Like, we'll go somewhere and I'm always like, oh, I know that person. Oh, I know. Like, right. I just, I'm a big connector. I always yeah. ask people, not in a way of I'm kind of putting them on a scale, but I'm like, oh, where are you from? Where did you go to college? Because right. I want to know. You want to connect. Who do you know that I know? Right. You know, and make that connection. Right, right. Um, no, I And I, I love that. And I think that. our family is big I on that. I live for that. Yeah. And and, uh, and and then there's the whole Jewish geography I was just going to say there's geography. Which is, which is, I'm not Jewish. My husband is, as you know, our children are. And add Jewish geography to it, I play it better than anyone. And for anyone listening who doesn't know what Jewish geography is, it is literally like, who do you know, who do you know, who do you know? And the Jewish community somehow is small enough that everyone somehow knows well, knows they're very, somebody who it's knows a very somebody connected who knows somebody. community. Very I was having connected. a conversation with Amy about this. Very connected. Me, like the background of why it's so connected, you know, all of that. But right. at Amy's wedding, you know, my parents are sitting at a table and it's Mitchell's camp roommate. Right, like, right. A lot It's of, crazy. A lot has to do with overnight camp. Yes. Um, <laughs> Which I told my husband when we got married. I said, we'll have never have problem with religion. We will only – because that we'll figure out, which we did. But mm-hmm. I said, but I will never send my children to overnight camp. And then because they went in to my mind, Cove. Only my Jewish friends went to overnight camp yeah. and my Christian friends did not. Uh, and so, of course, I did send my children to overnight mm-hmm. camp. And it was the best decision I've ever made because it helped me with separation. Yeah, we, uh, I'm sure. we have we have uh, our family is really great connectors, which I guess is why we're really bad separators. We're terrible separators. I'm a bad separator. Yeah, really. really That's why you have Sunday scaries sometimes. Well, you don't as much anymore, but um, we're terrible separators. My dad told me uh, I couldn't go to London for a semester abroad. It would have cost the same amount of money. Mm -hmm. It was not a financial thing um, in college because he said he would miss me too much. Which is so funny because I've heard that a lot, but I could never imagine Papa doing that or saying that. Oh, yeah, 100%. And I remember that all the time and I try really hard in my parenting because I'm a terrible, terrible overprotective parent and mm-hmm. I worry, worry, worry and I struggle and I really work on it. But I remember that feeling and I also remember that my story is I didn't go to London. I went to Washington, D.C. And in Washington, D.C., I found out about an internship in Chicago. Right. So then you turned it the other way where you're like, well, if I don't let my children do something, right. then maybe they'll be on their path. But that's you just a, don't know. Yeah, you can't but control. But you never know. You can't control. It's funny. I was talking – I interviewed my dad and at one point I was saying – we were talking about how his application to UVA, he didn't get in. 
And I had said, well, don't you think that was for a reason? Because then you wouldn't have gone to Lafayette and you probably wouldn't have stayed with mom. Yeah. And he turned to me and he said, it's so funny you think that way because I never think about what ifs. And that's never crossed my mind. Meanwhile, I think that everything has a purpose. So I, I kind of think not what if negatively, like, oh, if I had done that, I would have made X amount, of, like get down on yourself. But it's the more, holy shit, this amazing thing happened to me because X, Y, Z happened. Yeah. Yeah. I'm totally getting choked up I was going to say, right why now. are you getting choked oh, up? Oh my God. Can we talk about your dad for a second? <laughs> yeah, of course we can. <laughs> I'm totally getting choked up. So your dad is one of the most important people in my life. He is. And um, he's just, you know, I've known him since I was 11 years old. Mm-hmm. He's my brother. And, um, you know, there's just something about him that just is so um, grounding for me. Yeah. And um, at your wedding, I I had to I, – I literally cried for 20 minutes inside the bathroom after his, his speech, speech for you. And, uh, and I just I – just, you know, my dad – loved your dad mm-hmm. you're so gonna much. lose it in our episode because he talks a lot about papa uh, and i'll never forget being at my dad's bedside all of us there and when judd your dad walked in the room and and uh and uh my dad who was paralyzed basically and he couldn't move mm-hmm. lunged with his body as much as he could and you knew what he wanted to say to Judd he was so like everybody else that walked in the room he was his face mm-hmm. was lighting up but he had urgency yeah for Judd and he wanted to tell Judd like take care of my family mm-hmm. and I knew that and so we said that we were like dad we know Judd's right. got us mm-hmm. and not one day since my dad died have I seen your dad? And he hasn't said, I got you, baby. Oh, I got that's you, very baby. cute. <laughs> he is magical. He's an amazing man. Well, you know how much I love your mom. I, I can I talk know, about her obviously. too. But like, no, but Judd I do love your relationship. Freaking weepy. With Judd, with my yeah. dad. Because it also reminds me a lot of Lucy's relationship with Joe. It does. It reminds because I see that it's now. It's the same, yes. you know. Yes. I think we're the same sister. age difference as you and my mom, five four, years. Four, okay, four. so basically. Yeah. And we yeah, started dating at the story. same age. It's the same story. Yeah. And I love watching them. Yeah. And it makes me really happy. And I, when I see you and my dad, I think a lot yeah. about that as well. Yeah, that's true. Um, my mom, I'm sure, will be losing it listening to this episode now. <laughs> so I know we've mentioned a few times your career at Oprah. Yes. Can we get into – so you saw The Girl with the Clipboard. Yes. You then went to D.C. because was, you weren't able to well, – you weren't allowed to go to London. I wasn't allowed to go. Uh, funny also that my husband was on that program in London, which is really how I met him because my college roommate met him there, which is how when I moved I to Chicago – Okay. Yeah. When I moved to Chicago, he was one of two names, Henry, who I just talked about, who mm-hmm. walked in Marie's crisis, and Mitchell Loveman, and one I lived with. Henry was my roommate and one I married. So <laughs> anyway um, – but yes, so I saw the girl with a clipboard at fourteen. I knew television was it for me. I, mm-hmm. I it, like I was a very shy child. I was scared of everything. I I I was very very terrified of my own shadow, and my mom was a <laughs> is a complete like she teased me so hard because she knew I mm-hmm. would crumble because she's funny. Yes. And she, you know, she knows her audience and I was a sucker. Like she would tease me all the time, but I was so scared, Mm -hmm. scared to talk, scared of all of it. And something about television, it was like, oh, 
I really like this. And, you know, I'm one of the baby of three girls. My sisters are highly accomplished in everything they ever did. I was always like, you know, like they called me tanker. Yeah, but you were the real homecoming queen. I was. Yeah, that we'll get to. Um, And so I just found something that was so different and it felt so good to me. I wasn't looking for something different, Mm -hmm. you know, but it just happened. And I did go to Washington, D.C. my junior year. And in Washington, a producer at NBC, which is where it was my first internship, um, told me about an internship in Chicago that was a paid internship program called the Irving Harris Internship. It was funded by the philanthropist Irving Harris, whose children, whose grandchildren went to overnight camp with Marin. We found that out later. Of course. (laughs) In our Jewish geography. So anyway – A lot of crazy stuff happened with that story, but that is what brought me to Chicago. So the same year I moved to Chicago, Oprah Winfrey moved to Chicago. I didn't know her name. Mm -hmm. No one did, right? She was coming from Baltimore to to take over the AM Chicago host job, which was a local show. She used to come on our local PBS show because I worked at PBS. Uh, and I would take her to the green room. That's how I mm-hmm. first met her. She told me I had a cute blouse. Like that was it. Like she was so adorable, nice, all of that. And then the show went national and two years later. And so I applied for the audience coordinator job. I literally interviewed with her and the executive producer. It was, you know, there were 10 people in the office. Mm-hmm. It was not a big, big staff whatsoever. I thought I'd get the job because she liked me. Of course I liked her. And I, of course, still have the suit that I wore. Um, very big shoulder pads. It was the 80s, Navy. Navy's my power oh suit my color. And I didn't get the job. And uh, my my friend Rudy Guido got it. And the only reason why I say he's my friend is because I got hired the following year to do Rudy's job. Uh, and then he went on to do research. And so they hired me a year later. I never knew that So they didn't, they didn't want me the first time, but they wanted me the second time, which is proof, you know, if it's going to be your destiny that it's just going to happen and mm-hmm. to never – you know, don't a, a closed door is a closed door, but it's always going to open if it's really you're going to be right. part of your your destiny. So for me, that was like a closed door that really stayed open somehow. So yeah, so I became the audience coordinator, and then later took a big break and had children and freelanced and went back full time as the audience super as the audience supervisor, but then the audience producer. So I really went in with a producer's hat on it. Uh, by the way, I hated being a television producer. Really? I did become a television producer. They promoted me mm-hmm. and I, ca- I couldn't say no. I'm like, why? Well, they're going to make me a producer. I hated every second of it because one, I hate when people cancel, terrifies me. What am I going to have for the next day? It's like- I couldn't it's, handle that it's anxiety. Like, oh, oh my God. not handle. Yeah. And so now my child, Carly, has yeah. the same anxiety being a television talk show producer. And I, I, I'm like, don't, I'm like, la, 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 like, don't tell I me because that. the idea of not having anything for air on a live show for Oprah Winfrey, I'm like, are you kidding me? And one of my greatest things, my kids all know this because I used to use it as parenting. I um, overheard a producer once say to a guest, you missed the deadline. And I hung, he hung up the phone and I'm, I looked at him, I go, David, what are you talking about? You missed the deadline. You told someone they missed the deadline. He goes, yeah, they were trying to cancel. I told them they missed the deadline. I'm like, and they bought it? And she, he's like, yeah. So anytime my kids wanted to do something like go to a party or nope, you missed the deadline. They're like, what deadline? I'm like, my deadline. Nope, 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 nope. You missed the deadline. I'm going to use that. 
Although I can X nay some deadlines in my life. I feel like I'm very harsh on myself with deadlines. Yeah, deadlines. Let's talk about deadlines. Deadlines are really hard. I have like five pages of notes right now on deadlines that I'm not making. I'm making some of them. But the lists make me nervous. They, they give me anxiety, which is really, yeah. it's unfortunate. Our, our to-do lists are really great to have because they commit they commit writing to the page and saying like, I, I want to do this. Plus mm-hmm. they help me mem- remember to do it. Of course. They also provide a lot of anxiety. Yeah, I get a lot of anxiety of, um, and this is why the wedding process was anxious for me because, and I still feel this way about certain parts of my business. I get overwhelmed by knowing there's a list of things I have to do and not being able to tackle them because, say, X hasn't been done and you can't complete Y and Z until X is done. Right. So that for me is the – the acknowledgement that there's things looming yeah. that I can't complete because I'm yeah. a ta- I'm yeah. like my mom. Right. I'm a task rabbit. Right. I'm not as bad as she may be. Not bad, but she is addicted to yeah. efficiency and yes. completing tasks. Yes. Um, what has helped me is creating a list where it's like ongoing stuff that mm-hmm. I know has to come. Mm-hmm. And then every day, what am I going to do that day? Yeah. So then I don't have to look at this massive list right. every day. And so where decide. do you keep that list? Well, I'm like a crazy journaler. Okay, so you keep it. Is it written? Is it typed? Yes. I, no, I write everything. You write everything. I just yes. had to switch yes. which, from my written calendar. You know my mom's. Yes. Mine was way more organized. Yes. But I yes. had that. I just switched mine's, this year. Yeah, I, I I, I, have the same as your mom's and mine is embarrassing. But then like, be, it is not. It, if you opened up, yeah. you'd say I was a freak. Like, well, why the joke, is my so mom's messy? a serial killer. Yes. But mine was... I had to switch, which I mean, you do too. I hate to say it, but our life is so much more now. Meetings and calls and things yeah. move. Like, I need that calendar on my computer and on my phone yeah. that I can access right. everything. I have the phone numbers. Like, right. I was, well, I, I immediately feel hundred years old when I'm like, someone's like, "Oh, can you meet?" And we're sitting face to face, and I'm like, mm, yeah. "I don't know." I'm looking at my phone like it's not there. That happened to me a few times, and then I missed one thing, and Joe was like, "You got to switch, dude. right?" So I, I need to do that. Um, I'll, I'll add that to my list. Exactly. But I, <laughs> if you're – and I would give this advice to anyone. If you're someone that gets overwhelmed by this, a lot of people don't. But if you are, if you're overwhelmed by the looming idea of things you have to get done, decide what you're going to tackle at a right. specific time and then right. put the rest aside. Exactly. I because mean, otherwise you, you're trying to do 20 things at once and nothing's going to get done. You have to do a today list and then the uh, list that you want to get exactly. done. Right. And so I'll pull from that list every right. day right. and decide what – Do you I'm, enjoy crossing it off? I write things down that I've already done just so I can cross them off. <laughs> My roommates in college used to say, like, I would write down, wake up, shower, poop, yeah. pee, <laughs> no, I, eat. I cross. I write things down simply so Breathe. that I can cross them off because I've done that. I know. I know. What is that about us? I wonder if there are people out there that really don't care about crossing off a because list. Because you feel efficient. I know. But there That's are people that do don't it. care. Yeah. There are people that don't care. And I want to know if their blood pressure is good, if their anxiety levels are good. Like, why? Like, it's, it, well, it we're really, all wired so differently. I know. I know. And, you know, I've recently formed a different relationship with my where with my anxiety. Yeah based on like advice from a few different people and podcasts I've listened to and whatever, where instead I'm using it as a tool. Because okay, look, so how? it's got, I mean, if I, th- when I'm anxious, yes, I still acknowledge I'm anxious and I'm frustrated by the fact that I might be feeling those emotions. Yeah. But my journey with anxiety has gotten me to where I am today. Mm-hmm. It's helped me. It's a huge part of my story. So it's, it's given me more context to speak about. It's huge. It's 
grown my audience in ways of making them feel comfortable and, you know, vulnerable and seen. Well, you're breaking the stigma, which is key. And Of course. uh, I mean, there shouldn't be stigma about anything. There shouldn't be, but there is stigma uh, about mental illness and mental health. And and by sharing our stories, our stories, meaning everyone's stories, that is what helps people. When someone can relate to somebody else who's going Mm -hmm. through the same thing and they can name it. Mm-hmm. then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm not alone anymore. That is what happened on the Oprah Winfrey show. And I, I totally. know it happens all over now. I mean, on everywhere. It's We're saturated with stories, which is great, wonderful. But what a gift that is to to give mm-hmm. yourself and to others, yeah. which is a it's, a, it's it's healing. It's literally healing you and healing others. I think loneliness is one of the most debilitating emotions. Oh. And so I actually just changed my Instagram bio it's it was always like making healthy living approachable, which is still right. my goal across right. all my platforms because it's not just cooking, it's all aspects right. of healthy living. But I kept that and then I also add added reassuring you that you are not alone. Yes. Because really no one's alone. Right. No matter how wild the thought you're having is, how right. deep and dark and disgusting it is, right. someone else is having it. Well it's just not they're not saying it out loud. Exactly. And uh, it's so funny you don't know. that you're talking about this topic because on my list of lists, <laughs> my ongoing list is write a blog about loneliness. And I've been wanting to talk about it for a long time. I've talked about it on other podcasts. I actually did a whole podcast on mm-hmm. it. But I think loneliness is such an epidemic in our world. Um, I think there are plenty of, I, I've really struggled with loneliness in the last couple of years mm-hmm. with being an empty nest, being away. My whole family's on the East Coast. I'm in Chicago. Um, I've had some friendships that have changed. I've had real struggle with loneliness and it's hard. Oh, hello. I don't have a team. Like I don't work with my team. Yeah. So that was a huge shift huge. and change. Um and now, of course, because we're all so connected and living our, you know, in our phones and watching mm-hmm. everybody else be connected. And here, this is what I talk about. I, I feel very connected on a day in, you know, daily basis, but there are times where I really struggle with loneliness and it's really hard. And I, I thought it was just me being, you know, mid, midlife because I'm an empty nester, mm-hmm. but I think it's, much bigger than no. I think midlife. I think I think we're I all definitely suffering from it. I is in the deep, deep dark stages of my severe anxiety and like spells of depression. I was so lonely, and I would say to Joe, "I'm so lonely." I would cry, and he looked at me like it was hard for him to understand because I have him. Well, so, you also now have your dog. Well, that's changed everything for me. Yeah. But before this, it was also changed. But he's like, I'm here. How are you lonely? Yeah. I'm here. Also, yeah. all of your friends are here. Yeah. But I think that our generation specifically is really lonely yeah. because of technology and yes. social media. Yes. And social media can be incredible in the sense that it provides right. a network for you to meet right. people right. who you may not have access to given exactly. your surroundings and where you're living and your geographical location and right. demographic, and whatever. And I both have – made real friends absolutely through instagram however like it can also be very lonely because yeah. you're not actually getting that physical and in-person connection and right. i do think there's a massive right. difference massive and it also can be oh my god i'm alone in my apartment let's right. just scroll through instagram uh, on a friday night and then you see death. what everyone else is doing kiss of death. and you automatically are lonely right. and i think that I'm very fearful for the generation below us. And I had the opportunity to speak with a group of kids 
in assistance with a Facebook program. And I just found out I'm actually going back to my middle school to speak with a group of children. Um, That's great. But yeah, I can't wait. I'm so freaking excited. (laughs) But social media for them, like remember in middle school, and yours was even very different. But for me, in middle school, you know, the weekend goes by and whatever, you had a great weekend. And then the next week, a Facebook album posts. So I guess this was high school. A Facebook album would post of all these photos. And you're like, wait, what? Two weeks ago, all of my friends were doing something and I wasn't invited. And that stung. But now it's instantaneous. Yeah, it's instant. And so you're living with those feelings immediately while they're still experiencing something else. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's loneliness across all generations. Yeah. It's I really think it's an epidemic in our society, especially right. with men. It's a whole topic I could go deep on after this book I just read. Um, loneliness with men? Yeah. Interesting. Because they, we haven't created as a society an environment for them to be vulnerable right. and to speak their feelings. We've, right. It's been deep and – it's been so ingrained in them. Men don't cry. You're the provider. Right. Like, well, let me just, act like a man. You know yeah, all yeah, that yeah. bullshit. Let me tell you something. I, I've pitched this book a billion times when I was at the Oprah show. I've given it to every person mm-hmm. I know, and it is when I say the only book besides Brene Brown's Daring Greatly that is my Bible that I would say this book should be read by every parent of a boy, every coach of a boy, every teacher of a boy and it is a season of life by jeffrey marks it is truly it's about i've never heard of it it's it's a it is a story uh of how a coach built his football team in baltimore high school of boys um raising boys for others so it's literally telling them how to in the most physical and masculine sport alive um to be caring for each other and to tell each other they, they love each other, to cry, to share every emotion. It's the most beautiful book and I swear to God I am on my soapbox because and I'm just It's fine. I get on mine about that, the book that I'm reading. That, I finished. Yeah, that if 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 it was required reading for anybody mm-hmm. that it has any sort of leadership position for boys there would be so much less Sadness in men, mm-hmm. and therefore, uh, sadness in females. Uh, sadness in females, and a lot less possible abuse, possible mm-hmm. um, divorce, possible a lot of yeah. things. It's the a book I read book. that I highly recommend is "For the Love of Men" by Elizabeth Plank. It's new. Anyway, is it this the great. one you just read? Yes, okay. I talk about it all the time on my stories. Okay, like, yeah, kind of need to chill, but I think it's amazing. I think you talked about it on the Oaks thread. Yes, I did. I yeah. said everyone should read yeah. it. But I, I mean, it's another thing. It's sharing stories and it's the reason I love Dak Shepard so much. Right. Because he's right, sharing right, his vulnerability right, in such a public right, platform right. that it's encouraging other males right. to hopefully do the same. And not just males, females, everyone. Like, right. I still, I think I forget, you said there's a stigma around mental health. In my world, in my Speaking. mind, there's not. Yeah. Like, I just don't it's, think there it's is. It's removing the stigma. It's, when we speak our stories, we remove the stigma. No, but I'm saying I forget that there even is a stigma. Oh, good. Then that's Which great. there clearly, I would think, is, and I'm always told there is, but in my mind, I forget yeah. that. And I was just with one of my really good friends who always is so sweet in reminding me, like, what you're doing is freaking awesome yeah. because well, you're encouraging people. How cool is it that you don't even think about it, which is yes. which is great. Which is great. I'm on the I'm a, on the council for a uh, program called Erica's Lighthouse, right? Which is in Chicago, but we have served you know hundreds of thousands of of students, mm-hmm. and um, and 
in you know many states and um, are I wish I had my numbers. I just I need a producer right now. I don't have my numbers and I have it in my it's book, okay. but I should have it in my phone. If I had it in my phone, I would be all over it. But we have curriculum that we offer to schools and it it, it is teaches kids to take ownership of their mental health mm-hmm. and therefore share their stories and therefore reduce and eliminate yeah. the stigma, which is key. I mean, the children are our future, so we need to help them a lot yes. more. I will say, uh, speaking of children, mm-hmm. when you were a child, and yeah. you really sometimes haven't changed. Like I see I little Cammy in you, and it's so cute. Um, <laughs> you had question, 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 questions, questions. Like I still what, do. why, what, why, what? No, and there is. Where do the you, kids go to school here, Mom? If you, that was my like notorious question. Anytime we went on vacation oh, or anywhere, I'd be like, I don't understand. Do people live here? Where do the oh, kids go to oh. school? What does the school look like? How many people are in the school? What do they do? Where do they play sports? Right, right. So now every time so we go when, anywhere, my mom jokes about it. When you know, when you know someone knows something and you don't know it, it cracks me up because you're like, you will use your body, you will use your face, you will use your hands, you'll use your voice. Like, tell me now. Like, you couldn't sit on a secret for. Uh, anything like I, you want to know everything which is what makes you so good at what you're doing right now thanks i'm a nosy you're nosy, nosy you're person funny nosy, though. you're funny but nosy. i'm i keep secrets but i just love to, yeah. i love to know information yeah yeah love no, you it. love information that's the good way of saying it yes mm-hmm. yes very funny which is why very i get funny. i love that i get to ask all these questions <laughs> to people I know. and learn from them honestly it's been the most people always ask what part of my business i like the most and yes. what i want to continue doing Podcast for me is all I, I mean. I love my Instagram and the community I've built there and engaging with my audience. I love it. Right. However, doing this podcast has been so much fun for me. So much fun. In the sense of getting to speak with these incredible people. Obviously, I know you, but a lot of people I'm speaking right. with I haven't met before. And then asking people who I'm on, who I have come on, who do you think I should have on the show? Right. And then connecting, it's just building this whole other web of connections right. Right. and information and right. valuable life lessons that I feel so privileged to have been able Right. To access, right, right, it's so much fun, right? No, I I agree, and I, I as you know, uh, I'm launching my podcast. Yes, can you say the I, name of it? It's the Love Speak series. It launches, well, it's it did launched. launch. It's launched, um, and all I can say is when I'm doing it, I'm like, this is like breathing for me. Oh, it's totally, just so easy. It's just I love it. I I prep. I you know I go over. I I do research. I do the prep, I need and then it's better. just a conversation. <laughs> and then it's just a conversation. Um, it, and it, it, I know I'm good at it, mm-hmm. and therefore that is why I want to do it. I am very bad at many things. Horrible. I today at Soul Cycle got changed, got naked in I'm the scared. locker room that I thought. Don't tell me you're in the men's. Public. No, I wasn't in the men's. It was public. And I thought I was just in the women's. And all of a sudden, this guy walks by and I I put my shirt in front of my vagina, basically. I was like... What's happening? What bathroom were you in? I don't understand. Where were you? What bathroom were you in? The Soul Cycle locker room. Uh, Why was there a man? I went downstairs. I went downstairs. It was the locker room. Oh, not the bathroom. And I, Wait, which location I were you at? Nineteenth Street. I know and exactly I what you're talking about. That I, I was in the, the women's room up with the I, stairs that come down. Yes. The, oh, oh my god! And I thought I was in the women's room. And were all you of alone? Them, I just yes. Everybody left me. It was so crowded and sweaty people coming out and sweaty people going in. And so finally, and I had a what big did the man bag say to me. you? He and he he just was like, oh. 
on. He probably and he went into badly. the men's room. And then oh I God. couldn't get back upstairs because he was back in his locker and I had to move past him. And I'm like, oh my God. And not only that, like, it, you know, nobody wants to see at that age a 58 year old naked woman, right? So it's like this not poor, true, but this poor child. Anyway, uh, all I can say is I'm not good at a lot of things. I don't remember things. I don't like I, I say stupid things and I'm a speaker. What 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 does that say? Same. I um I just am horrible with budgets and math and all this, but like I know I can talk to people because that's what the gift that I've mm-hmm. been given. And many of us have been given that gift. Yeah. It's not like I'm you know, this one person that can do it. You can do it. There are many people that can do it. There are many people that hate it and that are it. good mm-hmm. at other things. So for me, yes, I agree. I love I love the podcasting. I also think it's being self-aware of what you are good at and doing more of that and what you are not great at yes. and having people, to, oh, yeah. which you have, but, yeah. you know, bringing people in to help. Yes. And you are great at many things, but what would you say your favorite characteristic about yourself is? Oh, my God. I think I'm hilarious. I think you're funny. <laughs> um, my you're kids Moira. don't really think I'm funny. Oh, people do think I'm Moira. I have been told I look like Catherine O'Hara, who plays Moira on Schitt's Creek, my favorite show, since 1990 when um, the uh, uh, Home Alone House or Home Alone House Home Alone movie came out. And by the way, the Home Alone House is around the corner from me, where I live at home. Interesting. In Winneka, Illinois, uh, where John Hughes shot the film. Um, I love that I can laugh my ass off even when I'm crying. Like mm-hmm. I will find humor in anything. Sometimes it gets me in trouble, but I love to try to if I can make someone laugh or if I can laugh, I, I'm good. Like that's laughter makes me cures really all. Happy. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I love laugh. I mean, I hate to say that it's my favorite characteristic about Joe because I think it's so <laughs> Like circum, not circumstantial, but so top line, you know, like yeah. oh, he's so funny. Yeah, yeah, that's not my favorite characteristic about him. But my favorite characteristic about Joe is that he he knows that making me laugh makes me so happy. Yes, and so he's doing he it knows, with the purpose. He knows of, how to tickle you know, your funny bone. Yeah, there's a reason he's doing all these crazy, yes. insane things. Yes, I, I you know? will. I will say this, and you and Joe remind me a little bit of this. Um, you do laugh a lot. Mm-hmm. And my relationship in my marriage, we laugh a lot. And it, like, I know your parents always say to us, like, I've never known two people to laugh more with each other than the two of you. And it really helps because when shit hits the fan, yep. um, laughter is always a wonderful thing to get you through it. My moment, everyone always asks me, when did you know you wanted to marry Joe? And it's like, everyone loves to ask that question. And I don't actually have an answer. I say, when we were dating, when I was 16, I told Lizzie and Amy, my two best friends, right. that I was going to marry him. Right. And yes, fine. I bet a lot of people say that. And just statistically, right. ours happened to work. Right. What The moment for me that I actually can pinpoint saying was when we were in the deepest dark of not having a great relationship right after college. Yes. And shit had hit the fan. And there was a moment where he easily could have been like, you know, we could have had our breaking point. Right. And instead he made this joke and it just brought us up. And I was like, yeah, I want to marry uh, you. That's uh, easy. Done. See, I love that story. Yeah. And I knew right away. I can. Vi- I know exactly what we were doing. Uh, I know exactly what he said. And it was so clear to me. Do you know what you were wearing? 
No, I never remember that kind of stuff. I, that's never. the joke. I know. You don't care. I could probably tell you what I ate for dinner you, that night. You will know what you yeah. ate. Your grandmother would know what she was wearing because she'll tell you that a hundred million times. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that story. Yeah. that's. I hope you remember that all the time when you're in the deep, I will. deep dark hole of whatever comes your way mm-hmm. in marriage because it comes in every it happens marriage. happens to everyone. And uh, and and if we can get through it with with a little light lighter laughter, um, mm-hmm. then we're better. And for just it. have fun, yeah. And everything has to be so serious, right? Right. Speaking of snacks and food, and me knowing what I ate, what would be the three ways to your heart through food? Oh, donuts, donuts, and donuts. What? I'm ne- I never knew you liked donuts. Uh- I'm obsessed with donuts and all I want. Marin doesn't seem to know that you like donuts Ma- either. Donuts? I, do, I, I, I mean, donuts, donuts, and donuts. Like donuts and pancakes, donuts and cupcakes, donuts and Where, anything. Okay, what type of donut? I need more uh, specifics if that's all you're going to give me. Okay, well, I, I like Mullers or Mueller's, however Mueller's, you say yeah. it, in Bayhead. Um, when we were growing up, going to the Jersey Shore, my dad would always go and get a box of Crollers, we call them, yep. and donuts. Yeah, I know what you mean. And they, I, my favorite is the um, the uh, sugar, uh, the white sugar powder, powder sugar mm-hmm. with the white cream in. Oh, okay. The white cream, not yellow cream, mm-hmm. not yellow cream, white cream, like whipped cream. Oh, and I'm not envisioning that. I, well, it's not whipped cream. I don't know what it is. Okay. It's just not yellow. I'm very it's white, and it's very hard to find. And I don't even know what it's called. But all I can say is. I love donuts. Remember the you donuts know, that we used to get from the Amish people in Pennsylvania that Nana would get every weekend that we were there? Those sticky kind of. buns. Oh, so good. I love cinnamon buns. That I was my that go-to drunk Wawa late night. A pint of Ben cinnamon and Jerry's. They, have, um, they had like cinnamon buns in their pastry yeah. cabinets. And at night, they throw all of their pastries away. Okay. And I would stand there <laughs> at like 2.30 in the morning after campus right. – Get a pint of Ben and Jerry's and beg them to just give me the cinnamon rolls <laughs> instead of throwing them out because there was – and they were like, no, you'd have to buy them. I'm like, but you're – I'm watching you put them in the trash. So right. why can't you just hand right, them to right, me? Right, 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 right. Whatever. Right. And I'm sure neither the alcohol really helped you. It, I mean I still think it makes sense. Um, <laughs> but have you – you know who else loves donuts in your life? Um, Taylor McGinnis. Oh, okay. Taylor Papa, used but. to get donuts. I vividly remember we <laughs> if she listens to this, she's gonna kill me. <laughs> There's that place near Marin and uh no, it's called Dough. Yes. Oh yeah. Taylor used Joe's to get a cycle. dozen of dough donuts and she would hide them in her room because she didn't want Marin and Rachel to eat them. Oh, <laughs> new information. That's so funny. <laughs> Marin, you can ask her. She told me this because I went to dough with her. Well, before I flashed the boy today Did you at go to Cycle, we passed by dough and I said, now normally I would finish class and go get a donut. Yeah, I was going to ask But today that. I'm not. So where's your I favorite donut off. in New York? Do you have one or not? Um... Dough. Yeah, it's real good. <laughs> it's so good. Absolutely dough. I follow them on Instagram. Do you do you ever do Peloton? No, I don't do Peloton. Oh, because there's this instructor who I'm obsessed with and I'm really trying hard to get on my podcast. Oh, well, my favorite podcast Allie Love, episode. And I... she's obsessed with, with dough, dough donuts. Yeah. Oh, what's her name? Allie Love. Allie Love. Oh, I like her name. You would know. She has this whole thing called Love Squad. You, I'll like, oh, send it to I you. I need to know her. Um, I – Interview my Soul Cycle instructor in I Chicago. I listened to it. 
Oh yeah, you said it, it hasn't aired yet. It hasn't dropped yet. I got to get the lingo down. And dropped. I have to say, episode it drops is one of my was one of my favorite episodes mm-hmm. because it was just I don't know him that well. Like everybody else, I know pretty well. And he really just brought his heart and soul. So that's great. It was really cool. So all of this will be in the show notes, your podcast, your book, you, Instagram. But where (laughs) should people, if they want more of you, Live Love Speaks? Yeah, at Live Love Speaks, which is my Instagram. Um, My friend Allie is here who helped me make it prettier, although I do go off brand sometimes because I'm she in the moment. She would hate me because I never stick to brand. And I, I I, know there's like a whole rhythm to it and Allie's beautiful taking pictures and I look like I'm just, oh, I just happen to be here. I literally cry laughing every time Allie takes pictures of me because I'm like, my sister Cindy would be laughing so hard because we all like, we're like, do I have a pose? What do I do? Like, like as if my life is so important to be photographing it. I'm so uncomfortable with it. Clearly, I post it all the time, so I don't care. But in the moment, I'm so uncomfortable with it. But the idea of it is that in order for through Instagram to get your message across, yeah, you, gotta have, you have to show who you are. And let me tell you about content. Tell this me. This is one thing I want to say about content, which I totally am so proud of you for Thank doing. Thank you. That when you decided to go for it after you got hit by a car Mm -hmm. and literally knocked the sense into you to say, I'm going to quit my day job and do this full time. Um, The content that you've been delivering is just continues to escalate into these wonderful things on every level. Um, Your stories, your podcast, your blog, all Blogs coming soon. I just got my first one back today. Good. And so (laughs) I will just say this. For anyone out there who is not doing what they love, because that's mm-hmm. really what my my book is about, finding your purpose and your passion, speaking about it, that create your own content. That's yeah. what you did. That's what I did. I didn't, I, I've been turned down so many times by so many people. Same. I've also been said yes to a lot. But if you have something that you want to make real mm-hmm. a message that you want to actually get out there to the world, you can do it. Yeah. Everyone's got an ac- access to a platform. I know it costs money. It's cost me a lot of my own money. And I hope to recoup that one day. But if you can't afford to quit your job and start the thing that you want no, to do, do and it create as a your side own content, project, side hustle and let it I grow. Did it for a year and, and a half. Let it grow. Exactly. Just let it grow. Don't be scared. Fear keeps us from doing what we love. And fear, if you are in your purpose, fear has no access. So find your purpose. Do that. Fear is gone. Money I will agree. come. And it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be incredibly planned out. The less to start. perfect, even better. Start somewhere and just yeah. get that shit out there. Yeah, get it out there. Your Thank audience you. is waiting. Yeah, exactly. Your audience <laughs> is waiting. My tagline. Thank you so much for being a part of this. Thank it was so much fun to Freckled finally have you foodie. on. Freckled foodie. Bump, 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 bump. <laughs> um, I'll see you in a week in Chicago. Yes. I don't know when uh, When does this air. This will air know. after okay. Chicago. Whatever. So yes, Chicago was awesome. I, I freaking <laughs> love my audience in Chicago. Didn't I'm blown away them? by these people they already. They were amazing. Before the event, I'm in love with them. <laughs> All right. Um, good. Thank oh, well, you. I love you. It's been such a pleasure you. to be here. I love you back. Congratulations on everything that you do. You too. I'm very proud of Your you. Your love speaks. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of Freckled Foodie and Friends. I thoroughly hope you enjoyed it. 
If you could be so kind, I would greatly appreciate a rate and or review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast. Currently, this one's available on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please subscribe to make sure you're up to date with new episodes coming at you every Friday morning. If once a week isn't enough of me, please follow along on my most active social channel, Instagram. Find me, my unedited videos, recipes, random rants, and info for all my other social channels on there, at Freckled Foodie. 